2: I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast "Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books." Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Today's podcast has been sponsored by Libro.fm audiobooks. Libro, L-I-B-R-O.fm, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out the recommendations and curated lists from people like me who know books best and also from local booksellers. You can go on Libro.fm playlists and look at the Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books playlists and go from there. If you enter code ZIBBY, Z-I-B-B-Y, you'll, at checkout, you'll get three audiobooks for the price of one. So please check it out, Z-I-B-B-Y, three audiobooks for the price of one. I interviewed Suzanne Falter today, and I just have to say this is the second try because the first time Suzanne and I did our interview, we had a technical malfunction and the whole thing did not get recorded, which was really upsetting, especially because Suzanne lost her daughter at age 22 and it was a very emotional interview. So I re-interviewed her and that's what you'll hear now. But in case I sounded in any way flippant about anything she told me, we had gone through sort of a both crying situation the last time. So obviously I do care and I hope I sounded that way, but just wanted to preface it with that sort of background. Anyway, here's her bio. Suzanne Falter is an author, speaker, novelist, and host of the Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women podcast. Her nonfiction books include The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care, the Joy of Letting Go, How Much Joy Can You Stand, in Surrendering to Joy. After losing her 22-year-old daughter, Teal, in 2012, Suzanne's work shifted to help her find the way back to joy, peace, and balance. She has written LGBT fiction, including the series Transformed and Oaktown Girls. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Self, Fitness, and other publications. She currently lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her wife. Welcome, Suzanne. Thanks for coming on, Moms, and have time to read books.
1: Hello, Zuby, and thank you for having me very, very much.
2: And thank you because you had me on your podcast first, which I greatly enjoyed over last summer. So thank you for kicking us off on the right foot.
1: It was great. It was really a good show.
2: So I feel very happy that I can return this little podcast relationship we have and delve right into your story and your amazing book called The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. You've also written How Much Joy Can You Stand? Living Your Joy, Surrendering to Joy. You have a podcast. You're like all over the place.
1: The joy of letting go, even. The joy (laughs) of
2: letting go. Amazing. So what made you start writing? Tell me your story. I know you have a very inspirational Sad, happy, everything story. Tell me all about it and how you got started.
1: This book, this particular book, The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide. Yes, yes. Okay, so in 2012, I was a very driven, very cranked up, highly ambitious workaholic trying to make the super big bucks. And I had lost my soul, basically, in a nutshell. I was so driven that I had allowed myself to stop really connecting and caring about people. And I was working all the time. And I really thought that everything was going great, and then it all fell apart. And in a very short order, the relationship I was in ended. The house I was living in went with the other person. I moved out. I was kind of adrift. The business I'd created was floundering because I was burned out, because I was working too hard. And all of it just disappeared. And then in that same three-month period, my daughter, my 22-year-old daughter, who was living in San Francisco where I was living, suddenly dropped dead from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest. And that just stopped everything. I was thinking, okay, I'll just regroup and retrench. But then when Teal died, I I just stopped. I didn't know what to do. I was, I literally didn't work for two years. And during that time, I just started to slow down. And for the first time in decades, I began to listen to myself and I began to tune into my needs. And I began getting a lot of help with different issues I had, many of which focused on the importance of self-care. At the same time, Teal, my daughter, who was the opposite of me and was really a present, funny, completely unambitious, very compassionate, loving person left behind a journal filled with little quotes that were all about being a better person. And, you know, her collapse was such that her heart was restarted. And she was in a coma for a week from which she never awoke, but she'd been in a locked bathroom for for 20 minutes, and then EMTs revived her heart. So technically, she was still alive, but she was pretty gone. And and when I saw her in the hospital that first few minutes, I knew she would die. I knew I would be changed forever. And I knew that this healing work, she she kept saying to me, I want to be a healer. This is my next thing. I'm going to be a healer, Mom. That was going to be my job. But first, I had to heal myself. So I focused on self-care. And that was a very big job (laughs) because I was so resistant. I didn't know how to listen to myself. I didn't know how to slow down. I didn't know how to stop being so hard on myself. My inner conversation was terrible. You know, I had no compassion for myself, none. And when I talked to Really busy women, you know, women with small kids who are also working full time or sometimes even super busy retirees, remarkably, they all just kind of have the same issue. We have this inner dialogue about how we have to push and strive and achieve and do more and more. And Teal was all about undoing and being very present. One of the things she wrote on many pages in this journal was be and you know, or just be. She used to say that to me. She'd be like, mom, just be. (laughs) Needless to say, I had no idea what she was talking about. It was very funny, that whole just be thing. And now what I really know is that I am here to do this healing work because I've gotten so much out of it. My life is dramatically different. I'm in a great marriage now and living a blissful life. I I can only put it that way. And there's balance. You know, I had to learn how to slow down and tune in and listen to myself and be able to answer the question, what do you need right now? A remarkably difficult question for some of us to answer.
2: So is that the secret? Is that the secret to tapping into self-care? And by the way, and I know we've talked about the loss of your daughter several times, but I just have to say how sorry I am one more time because each time I hear your story, it still just stops me in my tracks. I'm, I'm sure I can't, you know, your experience, the fact that you've taken it and now helping other people is just so amazing. And I'm filled with gratitude for you and how you've managed to pull yourself out of this and come out the other side blissful, which is really incredible. But is that the secret to self-care? Just saying, what do I need now? And you know, because then what about all the other things you have to do? Like well right now I might want to go lay on my couch, but you know, that's just not gonna happen.
1: I would say you may be able to get two minutes to lie on your couch. You may be able to set a boundary. It may be that you have kids, right? Yeah. So an awful lot of people listening to this, although I suspect there are a few who sneak in, are mothers of Children and super busy.
2: No sneakers. This is not just for moms. anybody can listen. anybody who loves books and wants to learn or wants to improve themselves or you know doesn't have as much time as they want to read. So just right.
1: PSA all on course. that. Okay, go on. <laughs> Second of all, you know the key is to understand that you can make time for it. It may not be exactly this minute, but that gets a postmark and the postmark gets acted on. What we do is we go. Oh, you know. I could really use a nap. I'll get to that. And then we let everything else intrude. And this begins the very uncomfortable process of actually putting yourself first. This is the most difficult thing for women. I have a little Facebook group and all these women who are these extremely busy women, they come in and I ask them, what's your biggest self-care challenge? Nine times out of 10, they say, putting myself first. It is how we're wired. We're wired to believe that the world will crumble If we don't step up and, you know, save the day, does it mean that the kids may not have the crust cut off of their sandwiches? Does it mean, you know, if we don't, I think what I'm trying to say is if we don't stop and take a little time for ourselves, fewer of the details may get handled. And that's okay, because overproduction is the issue. We think we've got to be everything for everyone. We think we couldn't possibly take a nap. It would all go to hell. No, okay, if you're alone in the house with a two-year-old, yeah, probably a nap may not be the perfect <laughs> thing.
2: Unless, old, unless they're napping,
1: then I think it's okay. okay. In okay. which case they will wake you up. <laughs> but if there's like a, you know, eight-year-old and they are demanding things from you that you don't want to do or don't have time for, you can say no. And sometimes it's the large eight year old who is our spouse. You know, I mean, sometimes our partners show up like eight year olds and they demand things from us where we need to say, not right now. I can't do that. And shockingly, I'm going to close my door and have five to 10 to 20 minutes alone. I might meditate. I might do a little yoga nidra, which is this wonderful practice of lying on the floor and being guided through audios with your whole body relaxing. You wake up from that, you're ready for another 12 hours of hardcore mommy time. Bring it on. (laughs) This is the oxygen mask, ladies. That's what this is. This is about giving yourself permission to look at your own needs. And some of us haven't looked at those needs in so long. It's like that closet is dark. You know what I'm saying?
2: So how do you get people to open up that closet, so to speak?
1: (laughs) This is how I do it. (laughs) Or people read the book. I mean, the book has a lot of questionnaires and little journal prompts and things you can pick up and do in an odd five minutes. Maybe you're waiting for the kids in line with all the other cars at school or whatever. And you just chip away at it here and there and you start to get clarity on the places in your life you haven't thought about much. I mean, the the whole back half of the book, I talk about the things we need in our lives. We need exercise. We need sleep. We need environments that are soothing. We need friends. We need to have fun. Maybe we haven't had fun in forever. You know. I mean, as it, it you read about these things, of course, I'm throwing in you know ideas and so forth and studies and. Evidence, you know, why this might be important or that. But as you read them, my hope is people will be inspired to really look around and go, boy, you know, I haven't painted this bedroom in 10 years and it really looks bad. You know, you wouldn't notice unless somebody brought it up, right?
0: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his Fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery
1: Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. But really, Zibi, it's like there are some basics to self-care. And the first one is understanding your needs. So the first one is answering that question, what do I need right now? And sometimes we get a blank right? But you got to stick with it. The next would be setting boundaries. And this is what I've been talking about. Who can we say no to? Could we stop being the volunteer mom who does everything and make space for some other mother to show up? It's important to be able to know what your boundaries are and honor them. When something pushes you and it feels wrong, that's a boundary. That's a red flag. That's a place where you are being pushed. And if you just roll right over it and ignore it, You're missing an opportunity to collect and conserve your personal power. You're missing an opportunity to get back into this beautiful alignment we were born with, where our heart and our soul and our head and our mind and our actions throughout the day are all one. That's when we can be great partners and mothers and employees and leaders and people. We can be freaking happy, you know, (laughs) that's the point, right? But the third basic is to ask for help when you need it. It's so hard for us to ask for help. Again, it's that mistaken belief that we must carry the world on our shoulders. But we don't have to. Mm -mm. We just have to be willing to look around and let somebody support us. As vulnerable and as weak as that may feel. Number four is to take action. And, you know, I know there are head nodders out there. There are people saying, oh, yeah, maybe this will get me to exercise. Oh, yeah, I should really do that. The key is just to start. And you can start, you know, start like this. I've forgotten the author's name. You might know it. But the creator of the mini habit started, a, develop, a developed his own exercise self-care routine when he allowed himself to do one push-up. <laughs> just one. And then he realized, wow, you do one, you just want to do more. And so he started developing this idea of mini habits. You could spend one minute on exercise. You could jump around for two minutes with the stereo on, three minute funk party break, you know, and then you might go, hey, that actually felt pretty good. Maybe I'd even go for a walk for 20 minutes. This is the idea is to break it down into small, actionable steps and then start to build them into your life as habits is it possible to get up 10 minutes early and do some Pilates or, you know, crunches or whatever delights you before your children wake up? Shakaroo, I know, sounds harsh pre-coffee, but if you really want to do it, that's one way to fit it in. If you believe that you can't take that 10 minutes for yourself any other time of the day, and P.S. between you and me, I think you probably could.
2: Are you talking to me now or this is everybody? <laughs> Outed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what? I'll get, I'll go do a push-up. I promise. <laughs> my
1: gosh. Now, bottom line is, you want to build this stuff into your life as ha- habits, because otherwise, you know, if we think about it, we're like, yeah, I'm gonna go have fun with my friends. No, let's have a fun night. Let's have a fun afternoon once a week. You know, it's the only way I get myself to yoga because I'm an older person and I get in yoga and everybody's like younger and more stretchy and stuff like that. And I'm like, hell, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to go to yoga on Wednesdays. Wednesday is yoga day, you know? Wow.
2: So you also are a huge advocate for organ donation and go out and talk about that a bunch. Tell me a little more about that.
1: Okay. So the circumstances around Teal's death, that her heart stopped, but was restarted and she was in a coma for 6 days before she was before they could really take a look at her brain and understand how much damage had happened was such that she was a perfect candidate for organ donation. There are very very few perfect candidates for organ donation which is why at any given time I think there's something like 10 or 12,000 organ donations made every year and there's something like 185,000 people on the list. I mean the the odds are staggering and that is something that's shifting as the transplantation industry, if you can call it an industry, the transplantation world evolves to become better and more organized and more databases and there are more people donating. But aside from that, my work is to talk about my experience as a donor mom. Now, when you donate organs of a loved one, particularly a child, you're really not in your right mind. You're just kind of going, yeah, okay, fine. You, you're still in shock. I was in shock, unless perhaps you might've anticipated this death, but then maybe the person involved wouldn't be a good donor. Usually it's a, a sudden death, you know? So Teal's heart, kidney, uh, both kidneys, her heart and her pancreas were all donated to other people. And her pancreas went to a woman who had kids, who was a middle-aged woman, all here in California, Her one of her kidneys went to a woman in, in her 50s in the Bay Area, and her heart and her other kidney went to a young woman just a little older than Teal. And this is significant because I have contacted her and I have a relationship with her now, and more particularly, I have an amazing relationship with her mother. And I have been a speaker for many years in my previous work as a self-help author, etc., And when I was going through this period of grief, I was closely in touch with the Organ Procurement Agency who arranged the transplantation. Part of their job is to reach out to the donor families and for a whole year, they call you up periodically to make sure you're getting what you need, you've got grief support if you need it, et cetera. And at the end of that year, she had connected us with Amara, who was the young woman who got Teal's Heart and kidney. And, and she and I were just chatting and she said kind of out of the blue, hey, are you a speaker? And I was like, well, yes, I'm a speaker. How did you know I was a speaker? <laughs> because at that point I wasn't working and didn't work for two years. She said, well, I don't know why I asked you, but would you like to speak about your experience? And pretty soon I was doing keynotes at big conferences for people who are in this world of transplantation. Five years after Teal's death, I met Amara and her mother on the beach where we scattered Teal's ashes. And it was such an incredible meeting. And I kind of saw them. I was with my wife, and we saw them at a distance. They were very small, and I just knew them out of all the people there. And I was like, that's them. And we came together, we had this very tearful, loving moment of connection between strangers, and it was just incredible, it was really incredible. At which point I promptly put my sandals down, wandered off, and we had to spend the next 20 minutes looking for my shoes, which was <laughs> a bonding experience, actually. <laughs> so that night we had dinner together, and we showed Amra a video of Teal singing. Teal was, in fact, a very accomplished blues singer. And she said, I know her. I feel like I know her. And it was just this cool, cool moment. Anyway, Debbie and I, her mom, Amber's mom, Debbie and I really sparked a connection that night. And the next day we were texting each other and she said, I would really like to do these talks with you. And I had woken up thinking, oh, God, it would be so great if I could get Debbie to do these talks with me, because quite is quite an introverted sort of person. She's not particularly interested in getting up on stage. She would do it, but, you know, she, she clearly, it's like not her favorite thing. Debbie, however, she's just one of those people who's natural, and I could really see it that night at dinner, and I woke up with that thought, and then she texted me. So now we give these talks together. And we go to different places around the country and speak about our shared experience with organ donation. And what we've learned, this is so interesting because the way this talk has evolved is to become about how crisis wipes the slate clean and allows you to begin again. And you can get in touch with your true values. It's the catalyst for true values. And after Debbie went through an eight year experience with her daughter with congestive heart failure, which she'd gotten from a virus, she had congestive heart failure, almost died three times. Debbie's a single mom working her tail off and taking care of a potentially dying child who's four hours away in the nearest center, you know, major city hospital, which was San Francisco. She was up in the mountains. And after that experience, you know, we went through this whole thing. She had another child have a near-death experience in a car accident. He recovered fully with five of his friends. Oh my goodness. And they all walked away, which was like, they didn't walk away. They had to go to the hospital for a while, but they all recovered. Then last year, her home burned to the ground in Paradise, California in the worst wildfire in California history. So this is a person who really has been through something. And I want to tell you, this brings tears to my eyes. She's the most resilient person I've ever met. She is the most resilient person I've ever met. And we just get together and cry all the time because because we're so grateful for our lives. And we're so grateful to have the ability to communicate this message to people. So this is kind of the part two of this what I like to think of as the teal legacy, because the first part is about helping women reconnect to who they are and become far more willing to be compassionate and honor themselves. It's like the loving version of Me Too. You know what I'm (laughs) saying? We're gonna turn that turn that fierce protection to ourselves in a way that would say, what can I do for myself today? Right. And then to be able to have this opportunity to talk about restarting life. That's like amazing, you know? Wow. So thank you for asking. Oh my
2: gosh. this is, It's so powerful. No, you're, it's amazing. It's amazing. The current, no, it's like, it's just amazing. These examples of, of women like you and Debbie and courage and resilience for both of you and the good that you do for other people. It's really, really amazing. And all the women you seek to help with your self-care guides and all the other personal, I mean, it's really so giving and generous of you and it's amazing. So thank you.
1: (laughs) I hardly feel like I'm doing anything other than the work I've been given to do. It's a straightforward thing.
2: Well, Suzanne, thank you, and thanks for coming on. Moms so don't have time to read books, and for sharing your story, and for trying to get all the rest of us to take better care of ourselves. Which I will, I will hear your voice in my head as I proceed about my day.
1: <laughs> and if for moms who don't have time to read, if they want to listen, I've actually narrated the audiobook of this book, which is kind of shocking. I'd never done that before. That's fun, and it was fun. It was fun. You know, it's part of the whole body of work, I guess. Eh. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you.
2: Well, thanks, Suzanne. I'll probably Skype you soon. I feel like we're now we're like little Skype buddies. So, you know, oh, yeah. send me a wave whenever. <laughs> I, will.
1: I will. Thank you, Zibby. Okay.
2: okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.
2: You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks to Libro FM for sponsoring today's episode. Remember to go to Libro FM, FM to get your next audiobook, support a local bookseller, and enter code Zibby for three audiobooks for the price of one. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.